presented by Eurex. Welcome to ETF TV, your insight into the world of exchange-traded funds, issuers, and investments. I'm Margarita Harikova, and joining me today is Lee Bartolomeu, Global Head of Fixed Income and Currencies at Eurex, Dakha, Head of Rates Futures Sales Trading Europe at Goldman Sachs, and Deborah Fur. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. So, Doug, let's start off with what are the trends that you've seen in the first half of 2022? Straight out of the blocks, we had the war in Ukraine, the removal of easy conditions, the recovery from COVID, and central banks increasingly hawkish rhetoric around supply-based inflation. And what this did for us in our markets is generate extremely high volumes. We saw rates markets coming alive globally, a large increase in options activity and block activity, which had previously been relatively quiet particularly in Europe, where we've seen you know, a decent build in Bumbobble Shat's option activity and Uribor activity as well. We also saw a real focus on commodities due to the supply-based issues. We saw you know, the start of a super cycle and concerns over energy supply. And what that also generated was you know, a sell-off in the equity markets and also a capitulation in crypto markets as well. We saw volatility increase and liquidity concerns on the back of that. So as markets sold off, particularly in rates and curves bear flattened, particularly in the US, we saw you know, a pullback in liquidity and in futures markets, particularly some difficult environments. In the midst of this, we saw the resurgence of macro funds, some strong performance there and also in the CTA environment, whereas you know, some others struggled, particularly with heavy equity exposure and crypto exposure. The main kind of themes of the year were inflation versus growth. That was the real struggle for central banks over the first half was to balance, you know, how they reacted to the inflationary environment versus maintaining growth. In our particular industry, we saw further consolidation as certain counterparties dropped out and we saw the expansion of disruptive technology and the continued electronification of our markets. We saw the use of algos increasing, algorithms to execute, taking into account liquidity and how difficult it was to execute certain sizes. So a big increase in the use of algos to get trades on. Lee, central banks are facing a dilemma. What does this mean for Europe? I personally don't think we've seen the last of the inflation in terms of the numbers, right? So there's always a lag in the numbers. And therefore, as we head into the winter, then you're likely to see that knock-on effect on people's disposable income. We have seen a lot more volatility. So you see a lot more intraday volatility in futures, not just the absolute level or rate at which we get to. I think it's the velocity that we get there. And I think that's on the minds of central banks. And I think the market has probably been underestimating how much the central banks need to do to put a lid on the inflation and then the growth factor, right? And one of the interesting facts is I don't think you've necessarily seen that fallout in credit yet either. So I think a lot of CapEx spending in the US has been absorbed right now and kind of masks potential for further declines there. What does that mean for rates? I think, well, rates in Europe has definitely been leading in terms of volume. So we're seeing strong growth across the portfolio in futures and options. I think options, though, from the start of the year was elevated regardless of the event risk that we had. And that's been maintained throughout the course of the year so far. 
then it's a position in terms of duration, right? So a lot of people switched out long duration into short duration. You're likely to see that continue with fixings going higher, basis widening. Also, I think with the way cash markets are trading relative to futures as well, that will continue to impact markets. Technology has allowed markets to become more efficient. And what you see is a lot more slicing of orders. Also, those algos are there competing for that liquidity, right? So you do see at times recalibration as you see large market moves. And that then plays out in terms of the intraday moves that we're seeing. So I think from a central bank, it's the pace at which they accelerate and give guidance to the market and then how they temper that with growth. Doug, what is your outlook for the second half of 2022 and into 2023? The cost of living squeeze is going to really impact politics, particularly in Europe, as we're seeing, you know, right now. So, you know, we had peripheral elections lined up for next year. We're now looking at Italy sooner than that. So, you know, it's going to really come to the fore. What will be interesting is to see, you know, what happens with crypto markets, whether there's a revival there. And also what happens with the volatility that we've seen in markets and the subsequent liquidity drain. It's something that we look at very keenly as a firm in terms of stepping in to provide mainly principal liquidity on block trades and futures and that kind of thing. But there'll be, you know, continued electronification of markets. We're looking at streaming EFPs, EFSs, that kind of thing that, you know, may come in and also increased activity in the listed derivatives wrapper. So whether that's through credit through FX, crypto, you know, fixed income, ESG, all these areas are something that, you know, we're relatively excited about in terms of building our business and being able to offer liquidity to clients. And I think another element we'll be keen to watch out for is disruptive technology and how hard that angle is pushed and how regulators react to that in futures markets. Thank you. And Lee, from your perspective, what are the three critical things investors should be watching out for in 2023? Well, I think definitely you can't ignore inflation. I think that has to be up there. Digitization. So I wouldn't necessarily bucket that in with crypto. I think there's plenty of volatility in cryptocurrencies. But I think you're going to continue to see digitization become more and more prevalent. right? And then that also has its impact in the exchange world. right? So you kind of see those markets re-evaluate in terms of their valuations. You'll see, I think, consolidation in that sector. So that's something that you will look to do. How will they then look to maybe challenge some of the incumbents in the traditional exchange sense with barriers to entry? I would say lowering as the exchanges themselves as well become more digitized and whether that's workflow or products and so forth. And then I think you're going to get the electronification. And for me, what should be on investors' minds is what electronification means for them their portfolio and liquidity, because I think it's very fungible across the board. And especially when you think, how long can you continue to have this volatility if you then start to see a sharp deterioration in growth? As we know, growth takes three to six months, I would say, to lag in the data. So you would expect at least Q1, Q2, 2023 to be at these elevated levels, right? And by that, I mean, I'm viewing that from an exchange perspective in terms of our overall volumes, right? So for June alone, we were trading north of 3 million contracts a day. Is that sustainable? You would have probably said question mark in previous years because you tended to see kind of exaggerated moves and then it dropped back into a tighter range. But I think this year has been the exception and you're likely to continue to see that into Q1, Q2. That's great. Thank you both for sharing your insights with us.
Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you to our sponsor, Eurex, and of course, to all of you for watching. To watch prior episodes and to see news from the ETF industry, visit us at etftv.net. Thank you. ETF TV News does not provide investment advice nor recommend products.